This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Hi, guys. Just listening to episode 451. You're talking about separating the art from the artists. And one of the things you said was not enriching the artist. That is, happens to be awful. That becomes problematic when you're talking about music. For example, every time you stream a Led Zeppelin or an Aerosmith track, you're paying, yes, a small bit of money, but you are paying money to uh, a man who took a 12-year-old on tour with him, 12-year-old groupie, and another singer who adopted a 13-year-old because he wanted to be with his lover. So, very, very difficult. I don't have the answers, but hey, at least we're talking about it. Glory Hill. Hi, Tom and Cecil. This is Samantha from Pittsburgh, Kansas. I just got done listening to episode 449, Butterball. And I wanted to let you guys know that there are small girls out there. I love big balls. They turn me on so much, you don't even know. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Distance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. Mm. Okay, there you go. I had to remind you. We bring some critical thinking, Mm. skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that might make the news, make it big, or make us mad. Skeptical, Cecil. Mm. It is also political. There is no welcome in it. It's episode 452. Cognitive distance. It's all wrong. That sounds it's weird. all wrong. That sounds weird. It sounds like you're it sounds like you're trying to get me a, like put a roofie in my drink. I was like, like I'm trying to seduce episode four fifty two. I don't know. I don't like it. This I don't is, like it. Uh, mm. Episode four fifty two. Mm. Cognitive distance. How you doing out there? <laughs> Hear that? Well, listen, that's a bunch of people throwing. I know, right? right? <laughs> uh, simultaneously, thousands of phones have been thrown into a lake somewhere. Uh, it's a funny thing, sir. When we were kids, we were all afraid of the dark. And we grew up and we weren't afraid anymore. But it's funny how a big lie can make us all kids again. All right, we're going to start with this story from Newsweek. This is uh, kind of hilarious. You found this. Trump trying to sell Americans a wall was eerily predicted in a 1950s TV show. Um, this is, and I, I want to read the lie, the very yeah. first sentence, because it's just so great. In what can only be described as a crack in the simulation, an episode in the 1950s television show, television western, Trackdown, has reemerged and is being shared on social media. It features a con man named Trump who tries to get townspeople to build a wall in order to protect themselves 
from the end That's of the world. Amazing. You guys, I, I want to play this clip. I don't want to play it on the show because yeah. I'm probably going to steal some of these for future bumpers use. Bumpers are so great bumpers. But, uh, but go check this out. There's a tweet in here that's embedded in this Newsweek article. It's amazing. And the there's like a little like back to school special part in the middle where he's like, when did we all, when we were little kids, we're afraid. And now we got older and this guy's trying to make us afraid. And it's like this really like really prescient. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody selling fear to make you build a wall. Yeah. He's like, here's a little lesson on human nature. Oh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it was so crazy. Cause you're just like, like, this is one of those things that. You know, when we talk about people who make predictions, yeah. I would have loved to see somebody make this prediction back then. You oh, know, right. you know yeah. this is, but this is, this is one of those things that it's just so many factors. This is that Kennedy had a, a, a secretary named Lincoln and Lincoln yeah, right. had a secretary <laughs> named Kennedy. Kennedy. It's like one of those, this is going to be one of those things yeah. that they put on that. Can you believe uh -huh. this is right. true? It's like a Ripley's believe it or not skit. It's crazy. You guys really Listen, check it out. It's like three or four minutes long. Yeah. It's fucking insane to yeah. listen to. The guy even sounds smarmy. He does. He sounds a little he Trump. sounds a little Trumpy. He sounds like Trump. It's kind of amazing. Check it out. This story is from NPR Australia. We'll consider granting asylum to Saudi woman who fears for her life. Uh, so this story has been going on all week. There was a woman in Saudi Arabia um, who got on an airplane and pieced the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, she got stuck in Thailand and she's been stuck in a Thailand airport now for, I don't know, about a week, give or take. It's been yeah. a handful of days. She went, to a, she went to a hotel and barricaded herself in and started tweeting. Yeah. And that's how people found, found out, out about, about her. her. Yeah. Is she just started tweeting and she wanted to be a refugee from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And so, you know, Saudi Arabia has been in the news a lot this year. And Trump has really doubled down on his relationship with Saudi Arabia, even in the wake of the Khashoggi killing. Um, and Saudi Arabia's made a number of what what I would consider to be bullshit mostly efforts at modernizing and, right, and granting right. some rights to the people, I think in an effort to appease the international community, but the day-to-day -day lives of women in Saudi Arabia are still without reservation, unabashedly terrible. Yeah. Half of the population of Saudi Arabia are treated criminally awfully. Yeah. So much so that if somebody think about how bad it is that if you leave a country and you can't, and, and you were to have to go back, the, the probability is that your life would be over. The, the, the authorities for the temerity of your having left and exposed the reality of your life to the outside world for that crime, you will be almost certainly executed. That's a horrible place to live. This is a horrible ally for America to have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A couple of things. Um, one, the reason why she left and the reason why she was afraid is because her dad, uh, she, she was afraid her father was going to kill her because she, she came out as an atheist. Yep. So the reason why she left was because she was terrified of her father and her brother. She said she suffered abuse, uh, um, from them, physical abuse from them. And so she fled, she fled to Thailand. 
Um, she wanted to, like I said, she she barricaded herself in because they were going to deport her right back. They're right. like, no, you don't have any other plans here. You don't have a hotel here. You don't have, you don't have any tourism stuff. We're just going to send you back because right. I think that's the deal that they have with Saudi Arabia. And so she just barricaded herself in a hotel and started tweeting and finally got enough attention so that people were like, oh, we got to put her, you know, she's right. supposed to be a refugee. So there's enough attention to like put the fucking brakes on that shit. But what's interesting to me is, have you ever heard of a guy having to do this? You know, have you ever heard of, heard of a guy afraid that he's going to be honor killed in that society? Well, because there's honor yeah. killed dudes right. in that society. They honor killed women. What does that say about, well, what does that say about your culture? What is it? You know, I know that there's a lot of people out there who want to argue like, oh, well, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, your culture isn't superior to other people's culture. And I'm not saying that it is, but I am saying that this is wrong. Right. I can say this is wrong. Killing somebody for honor is wrong. And, you know, we, we can't you can't get lost in the weeds here and think that, you know, this isn't barbaric. This is absolutely barbaric. And the other thing that I want to read, I want to read a piece of this um, article. It's it's from it's 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 talking about another young woman. It says uh, her case is similar to that of this other woman named Dina, a young Saudi a, a uh, Saudi woman who fled to the Philippines from Kuwait in 2017. Like Alquin, uh, she had her sights set on Australia and reached out for help on social media. This is a quote from her. If my family come, they will kill me. Uh, it, she said in a video archived on Twitter, if I go back to Saudi Arabia, I will be dead. Please help me. Instead, she was reportedly dragged onto a plane from Manila to back to Saudi Arabia her mouth taped shut and her arms and legs bound. She was reportedly taken to a detention center in Saudi Arabia capital and little more regarding her location or condition is known. Well, I bet everything worked I'm out I'm sure fine. it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. almost certainly. Yeah. I will say that. I took her to a Harry Potter wizarding school right after. It's not that much different than how United treats its, it's passengers. It's true. Or dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure she wasn't a Chinese doctor? Yeah. <laughs> And again, I'm not saying that that homosexuality and, and and dealing crack are the same things. I'm just using that as an analogy, as a parallel. This is behavior. You say, look, I I, I can't support that. I can't endorse that. I don't want to send some kind of a message that I think this is fine and appropriate kind of conduct. So no, I'm not going to be able to come to the grand opening of your crack house. All right, this story is from LGBTQ Nation. Evangelicals are lobbying against anti-lynching law because it includes... LGBTQ people. Uh, so I wish it were significantly more nuanced than that headline. It is, however, not significantly more nuanced than that headline. You know, there the idea that anybody would have an objection to an anti-lynching law because the group you want to lynch. Yeah, right. It's like, whoa. If you say, let me, I, I thought about this a little bit, Cecil. Cecil, how many details would you even ask for if I propose an anti-lynching law? Would it even occur to you to say, well, who can't I lynch? Like, you know, this group wants human rights. Are you we sure they're human? You know, like, <laughs> is there any way I can treat them as right? subhumans? Because I, 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 that really upsets me that you want yeah. them to be humans. I feel like an anti-lynching law could be written very simply. No lynching. <laughs> It's the one big no stamp. No. Katunk. Hey, how do we feel about that? Should we ask, like, who they want to lynch? No, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think it matters at all. <laughs> like, when does it when does it matter 
who you want to yeah, lynch. Right. When you're considering the, <laughs> what is wrong with people? Like there's like somebody's like, well, I, did Jesus say we couldn't lynch yeah. the the I mean, they suck a dick. Like, has anyone <laughs> ever? I mean, like, what if a girl touches another girl's no-no spot? Well, like, we have to be able. <laughs> I want two things, on alarms and a lynching. Those are the two things I want. You know, it's so funny. I want to read this part of this article because I cracked up. They quote this guy perfectly in here. It's so funny. So far, they've been unsuccessful over the years, over many years past, Staver observes. Now, this is one of those douchebags who doesn't yeah. want it to come out. But this is the way to slip it in under the so-called anti-lynching bill. And then they sort of circle the wagon and then they go for the juggler at some point <laughs> in the future. Like, there you are. A juggler, balls in hands, and then bam! Somebody went for you. They well, went for the juggler. I'll tell you what. Maybe if you weren't a dude with a bunch of balls in your hands, <laughs> they you wouldn't would have go to for you. You'd be fine. They wouldn't go for you. I um, love that it, they confused juggler with jugular. With jugular. I know. It's just like... Like juggler, <laughs> it's a juggler oh, vein. A juggler. It's a juggler vein. It's a juggler vein. Oh, <laughs> what does man. that mean? It just means he's a narcissistic juggler. That's all. It's a juggler vein. <laughs> Makes sense. They got him in the juggler. Now our circus is short one act. <laughs> I, I love. I love Matt Stavers. This, this is there's another quote from him. The old saying is that once the camel gets the nose in the tent, you can't stop him coming the rest of the way. In. I thought that oh. was a metaphor for anal sex. Actually, you know. <laughs> Still stuck. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how. All right, but it, I can't tell you how often I've used that saying though. <laughs> What's you know, that, that old, old saying? Oh, that it's old. like that old. It's like that old saying, "Monkey it up" from that one guy. Oh right, yeah. yeah. It's, it's that guy. Yeah. How often do you hear that old adage about the camel with his nose? <laughs> camel with his nose in the tent. Yeah. You know, all of us who live in tents. <laughs> all asshole. those great camel cliches. <laughs> Oh my God. Actually, to be honest, this desert blood god does yeah. have a lot of camel cliches because that's where it comes from. That's that, right. No, yeah, that's you know true. what I mean? Like, like the camel can't go through an eye of a needle or whatever the fuck they said. Right. <laughs> but you can fly a gold plated gel through it or whatever. You can, you can fucking Creflo Dollar. Uh, fuck it. Be great. You get a gold ass plated needle. That's for sure. Would it be amazing? Like if somebody like quoted that to somebody like Creflo or whatever. And he was like, look, I am not trying to ride a camel. I am riding a gold plated aeroplane. It'd be awesome though. I agree with you about the camel. It would be awesome though. If his gold plated aeroplane looked like a giant camel <laughs> and he rode on it in between the humps, that would be amazing. It would be great if he called it like the golden needle or something like his airplane. Like, ah, yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> They're going to make you conform to them. You're going to say you like anal sex. You like oral sex. You like bestiality. You like anything you can think of that to whatever it is. And sooner or later, you're going to have to conform your religious beliefs to the group of some aberrant thing. It, 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 it won't stop at homosexuality. It's from the New York Times. A uh, pastor who praised the Pulse nightclub gunman resigns after allegedly paying for sex. Uh, I want to be really super clear. I don't give a fuck who pays for sex. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah, if you want to pay for it, pay for it. If you want to get paid for it, get paid for Nobody it. Nobody cares. That is not yeah. my business. Where it is my business is when you be when you pretend that you are the arbiter of sexual mores. Yeah. And 
49 fucking people are shot at a fucking nightclub and you're like, Good bully thing. on you because you yep. fucked the wrong way. Yep. If anyone needs me, I got to pay somebody to fuck me. <laughs> Because right. people won't do it of their own volition. Yeah. They have to be induced with cash. <laughs> That's how repugnant I am. Uh, yeah, this guy is, uh, he's a real scummy guy, but he comes from that, This he comes from that crazy Baptist church of the fucking basement or whatever. We've seen their videos before. Yeah. And it's that, it's it, it's it's from the same church, but he's not the main preacher from right. that church. So the main preacher from that church is the bearded Stephen guy, Anderson, right? yeah, who yeah. goes who travels the border and is he's an asshole. He's a regular uh-huh. asshole. Yeah. Uh, but he, the, it's not him. It's the other guy. It's the shorter guy uh, who uh, we have played him on this show. Before. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, but he's you're right. It's it's you know this one gets filed under the hypocrite files. Like here's yeah. a guy who's telling everybody how how their sex lives should work. And yet he's breaking the rules, his own rules, his rules, not his own rules, rules, not our rules. Cause I don't care what rules he breaks, Yeah, but it's his own rules. Cause he clearly is breaking them. Cause I want to quote him. He says, I've been a terrible husband and father. You don't say that unless you think you're breaking some sort of uh, contract between people. Right. Yeah. And like, let's also be clear about a distinction here. Like being gay is not a choice that you make. No. It's just it's just the sex that you like to have because that's the body that you're attracted to. Hiring a prostitute's choice. Yeah. Right. It's not not like anybody's like, oh, I'm a prostitute sexual. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not, that's yeah. not. A, you know what I mean? <laughs> prostitute sexual. I don't know. We might maybe we'll get there, but like we're yeah. not there yet in yeah. terms of identity. Like right. it's not a thing. It's just like that's a mechanism to obtain that, sex. Yeah. Right. Right. So one is who you are. The other is absolutely a choice. So even more like egregious in this guy's worldview, I would think, you know, is like th- these guys are sure. always on about sure. this. Yeah. Come the yeah. fuck on. Yeah. Yeah. And we're exhorted by Peter to resist the devil, remaining steadfast in faith. James tells us to resist the devil and he'll flee. The prince of the power of the air is indeed resourceful. But my friends, he is not ignorant uh, we are not ignorant of his devices. So stories from the Friendly Atheist blogs over at Patheos. Uh, James Dobson wants you to pray and fast to protect Trump from impeachment. So I want to read to you some of the comments that he made. Uh, he said, I'm calling for a nationwide movement to pray for him. Dobson said, I'm calling for a day of fasting and prayer. I hope that Christian people from coast to coast will join in that time. The date is your choosing. But Wait, we do what? need to be praying for our president. Join in the in that time. The date is of you. Wait, so we can all just do it at eight o'clock? Is that is that what he's saying? I hope that Christian people from coast to coast will join in that time. The date is your choosing. So I think he's not saying oh, it's what's just that? one big. Oh, I see. We'll just join in just to pray. But at you, look, we don't want to. You got to pace yourself, right? Don't fast all yeah. at once. Yeah, you might. Something, something. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> I don't know how it works either. We we talked about this. Like yeah. I think the idea is not that it increases the volume of your prayer. Bowl. I think these people do. Right. I think these people think this. I think these people. I think there is a select. There is a group of people, maybe a large group of people yeah. out there that thinks that it makes your prayer like more potent. Like it oh. makes. I think there is. I think. I don't think that that's wrong. I think there is also like another group. Your sauce. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you're making <laughs> exactly. You're making it a little more potent. Yeah. But I think the uh, the there is a group of people out there who think a totally different thing, which is that it, it helps them focus. It helps them 
because prayer is yeah. meditative for them rather okay, than it's, so it's helping yeah. them. So I think that there's two ways to right. look at it, right? But I think that this guy is one of those people who doesn't like he thinks that it makes it more powerful. Like right. you're putting a little more like uh, gunpowder down the musket, right? You yeah. know, yeah. I I love the idea that doing something which weakens you makes you more powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. right? right. Like, you're like swaying a little bit from sides. Yeah. Like okay, Jesus. Oh my God, I'm so tired. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also, what I did, I fasted and I didn't sleep for three days. Yeah. I've done a lot of meth. I made a mistake. I made this a terrible is, mistake. I don't even, yeah, I can't find, I'm <laughs> fucking tasting colors at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read this other piece. He says, it seemed evident on election night that the Lord gave us victory. So Lord, if that's true, we ask you to protect our president from anything that could hurt him. What if the thing that hurts him is something that he put into motion, right? Like, let's say he did go out of his way to contact a foreign government huh. to get information to help weird. him win an election. Why should we protect him from something like that? No, no, no. What you protect him from is getting caught from his own misdeeds. <laughs> right. That's. I guess that's it. Like the, the, the thing is like, nobody is trying to hurt him in the sense that like he's sitting around and like, we want to like throw a brick at him. I, although right. there probably are people, right. but you know what I mean? Like the, the people that are coming for him are coming for him in the sense that if they find out he did the wrong thing, he'll be held accountable. Sure. For it. Sure. And we're not talking about the wrong thing in terms of like, I disagree with your decision. It's the wrong thing in terms of like, yeah, that was illegal. Mm -hmm. You stole the election yeah. from the American people. <laughs> Give it back, <laughs> please. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was seeing, I saw an article where there was a gotcha journalist on the right who had written down a bunch of quotes about immigration from Democrats, but they were negative quotes, right? So then he went out and found a bunch of liberal college kids and he read the quotes to them. And it's like, ha ha, look at, they were actually by Democrats and you thought they were by conservatives. And I think what the person doesn't understand is that, look, I don't care who said horrible shit about immigrants, right? Whether you're Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter to me, right. right? I don't care. I'm not partisan in that sense. Like I'm partisan in the sense that I want to make sure we're all empathetic. And if you're not empathetic and you're a shitty person and all you care about is you, then I don't like you, right? I don't want you making decisions for this country. I don't think you're qualified actually to make decisions for the group of people that is this country. I think you shouldn't be making those decisions. So I, what I don't, what I want to do is I, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, if you read that quote to me and I think, wow, that's a horrible thing. I, I'm not going to be shocked that it's a Democrat, but there's this idea that, that like somehow I'm going to try to protect people past, like from horrible shit or defend people when they say horrible shit, when just because that they're on my side and I won't do that. Like I won't do that. Well, that's because like, then they're not on your side. Right. right. They stop being yeah, on they my stop side, being on your side. And that, I think that's like a, that's a key difference that like, there's folks that just don't get that. It's like, well, you're either on the team or you're off the team. It's like, I don't really believe that that's how this works. I think we change the team to reflect the values of its team members. Right. And anybody who doesn't reflect the values of the team members, what we do then is we kick that fucker off the team. That's it. We don't have a team. And then everybody has to join it. It's not, it doesn't yeah. work the other direction. The only responsible response to the situation you described be like, that's terrible. Who said it? It's this Democrat. Well, if they're in my district, I want to know their name so I don't vote so for I can, them. Yeah, I can vote them out. I can campaign against them. Yeah. Yeah. That guy sucks. I want to make sure he's fired. Yeah. Ready to stick it in the glory hole? Get links to their Facebook, Twitter, and if you still use it, Google Plus account at their website, dissonancepod.com. 
If you need to be all discreet about it, contact them by email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a ransom message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Want to hear Cognitive Dissonance commercial free and gain access to exclusive content, including full patron-only shows? Head to patreon.com forward slash dissonance pod and become a patron to support the show on a per episode basis. Love commercials? Not ready to become a patron? Give the guys a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Or tell your buddies in the drunk tank about the show. We want to send a big sloppy glory hole to all the patrons and people who rate us. You fucking rock. Uh, we don't talk enough about India. We don't. Do you know why? Hmm. I can't pronounce most of the shit in these stories. To be honest, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm not even lying to yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, this guy had to pay five lot keys or something oh, like yeah. that. And you're like, what did he have to pay? So this story is just terrible. Pastor sentenced to 30 years in jail. Others double lifer for raping and forcing minors into prostitution. The court also slapped a fine of uh, five lakas on the Church of South India. Yeah, I found out how much that was. It was seven grand. I oh, is it? it? Yeah, seven thousand. Seven or seven and a half. Seven thousand. It's either seven thousand or seven and a half thousand. But yeah, okay. That's probably a lot of money in India. I don't know. I bet that's a lot of money in India. Um, so I mean, this is this is just more horrible shit. The, the reason that I actually grabbed this story, and I don't usually, I actually am being honest. I don't grab most stories from India. Sure. Um, and I don't grab a lot of the stories from India because a lot of them just frankly aren't surprising. They're just terrible. The human rights record, the some of the shit that's going on between uh, religious groups, uh, in, in particularly the, the Hindus um, in certain parts of India right now are just atrocious. They're just absolutely atrocious. There's nothing fucking funny about it. Sure. What I liked about this is people are held accountable. India's got a problem. India's got a, a, a problem with the way that they treat women, with the way that they handle sexual violence in India. And I like that these fucking people were finally fucking held accountable because so often people will get arrested in India. Like, remember that bus rape that? Yeah. That, oh, yeah, yeah. They were. Pro- How could you forget that? There were there were protests over the arrests and convictions of the people yeah. who perpetrated those crimes. Mm-hmm. So that this happened, that a Christian pastor um, and 15 others that were involved in basically a sex trafficking ring of children, that that happened in no way surprises me. That they were held accountable for it yeah. and severely accountable for yeah. it. Yeah. I was pleased by that. Yeah. This to me, weirdly enough, was a good news it's like story. A, it's like a positive story. Oh, I do want to read one of the things that they did, though. Um, they had this girl who they were basically sexually assaulting. She's a young girl, 14. Yeah. Oh, it said, when uh, when this became routine and unbearable, the girl pleaded to be relieved, but she was told to get a, another one to be set free. So get a yeah. friend mm-hmm. and we'll set you free. Believing this, she brought her friend of age 14, also studying in the school, but they, the gang sexually assaulted both of them and forced them into the sex trade, taking them various places, including a pilgrimage center. Where, where, where is your pilgrimage center? Is it like pedophile Island? Like, what, is, <laughs> what is happening? That's a, that's a weird, holy pilgrimage. You're like, Oh, we're here. This is so, are there any teenagers? Yeah, to right? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I gotta say, yeah. I thought there'd be more to do. Yeah. I just, I got, <laughs> I did all my praying. I prayed. And then I was like, I fasted. I prayed. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> what, uh, 
I got best a wrinkle. I mean, like best thing about this pilgrimage center is I keep getting older and they stay the same. <laughs> oh <age>. God. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, we speak that. Oh my God, I love this. From Cypress Mail Online. Uh, this when a bishop says Earth is the only planet, <laughs> Earth is the only planet, our schools agree. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. So, Bishop, and I, I part of the reason I wanted this is to try to pronounce these names. Okay, here you go. And Anthemos of Thessaloniki. <laughs> I love that. After the Mars, after after Insight arrived on Mars and started like recording shit about Mars, so sure, that's amazing. Yeah, we shot right? a we shot a, a we shot a fucking fucking Tesla drone. car full of yeah, parts, right? <laughs> and didn't it have to like like land in a, like a really crazy way? There was like a lot of error that could have happened, and then it now has to it had to drill into the ground. Is yeah, that, it's, yeah, it's an amazing it's an amazing technological yeah. accomplishment. I was I was reading something; it had to slow down some crazy amount like 60,000 miles an hour to like zero in like a few minutes I, I don't know what the numbers offhand it was just astonishingly large numbers the amount of like precision that yeah. needed to go yeah. right in order to get this thing to happen was just mind-blowing like there's a pile I, I I'm never I never ceases to amuse and amaze me that in one part of the same globe like we're like let's shoot a robot to Mars and have it dig around and tell us what's inside the other planet. And then, like, you can get on an airplane and go somewhere else on the same planet. And people are like, the only planet is Earth. <laughs> so we're like, good. we're the same species and we're just shit. Yeah. Like, some yeah. of us are, like, amazing. Yeah. And, like, then there's whole groups of us that are just, like, complete shit. Willfully ignorant. Though. Yes. Willfully ignorant. Because there's plenty of ways in which these people could be educated. They could follow yeah. Uh, like read all the same things, understand the world through a scientific lens. It's it's we could all be this educated, but what we choose to do is stunt ourselves yeah. because we want to roll back to an ancient text and say there is no other planet. <laughs> yeah. So he was mocking. So this fucking bishop anti-hemos or whatever. He was mocking the news story that we just mentioned about shooting a robot to Mars saying the only planet in the universe was Earth. And then he said that he was told this theory by a formidable scientist. What does that mean? I don't know. A scientist like a, a sharp right hook? No, it's <laughs> like a scientist who has like a like a sweet deadlift PR. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whose name he couldn't remember. Oh, yeah, there's a guy you can't remember. And I love that, too. It's like, well, I do believe in I science know. and yeah. scientists, yeah. and that's how I get my information. Also... Uh, not really. I don't know any scientists. I don't know. <laughs> you can't pressure me on this. I know you're going to want me to have used science, 
That's your thing. Look, I know this scientist. I met him in Niagara Falls a couple <laughs> years ago. I put two fingers in him, actually. And that's how I knew he was telling <laughs> um, I love this guy. This guy's hat is amazing. He looks like you could set a fucking, like, a vase of flowers on his head and pull the little veil, and they just fucking wobble a little and still stay. He's got one of those platform heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's also got a veil. He looks amazing. You know what he looks like? He looks like a guy who thinks Earth is the only planet. <laughs> He looks like he looks like the bad rabbi. Like there would be a good rabbi facing off against the bad, bad rabbi. rabbi. That's what he looks like. He kind of looks like he might shoot lightning from his fingers, <laughs> right? A little bit, a little bit. Either that or like depends. Yeah. One or the other. <laughs> it's hard. Something's gonna shoot out of him. <laughs> and if you have the depends there, it'll catch it. Although nothing fun is shot out of that guy in a long time. <laughs> The story's from the Hill. Steve King asks how terms white nationalist and white supremacist became offensive. <laughs> you know what? You know where I, I already start is the word became. <laughs> you know? Is that where you're focusing your attention? Because I think it always was. I don't think it ever became. Right, right. You know? When were we never? We, we, why, we can't call him boy anymore. I, I, it was what's, always what, what's up with all these N words? Why can't I use that? I, they you know, say it to each other. When I slap a woman, now yeah, you know, nobody ever was okay with that. Okay, yeah, he right. says that was always wrong. Yeah, he says white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did language become so offensive? He said in a New York Times interview. Why did I sit in on classes teaching me about the merits of our history and our civilization? And I want to read. I want you to read something, Tom. I'm going to put this up here. I found this today. I did a search for the definition of nationalism. Now I don't want you to read the definition of nationalism. But there's an interesting piece here that says the difference between nationalism, patriotism, sectionalism, and jingoism. All right. Nationalism has a number of near synonyms. Synonyms? Syn- synonyms. That's delicious. Synonym toast you crunch do is, is you delicious. Add a, you add a syllable <laughs> to the synonym. Synonym toast crunch <laughs> is my favorite. Nationalism has a number of near synonyms, uh, each of which carries its own distinct flavor and meaning. Patriotism is similar insofar as it emphasizes strong feelings for one's country, but it does not necessarily imply an attitude of superiority. I can almost stop there, right? You can almost stop there because the other ones imply superiority. Huh. All right, well, let's keep going. Sectionalism resembles nationalism and its suggestion of a geopolitical group pursuing its self-interest, but the group in question is usually smaller than an entire nation. Jingoism closely resembles nationalism in suggesting feelings of cultural superiority, but unlike nationalism, it always implies military aggressiveness. Nice. I think that this is, that's an interesting way to put it, right? Because when you talk about it, people, people want to say, well, what's wrong with being a nationalist? Because that's what he, his reply eventually is, he says he comes out later on after this is all over and he's like, I just want to make it abundantly clear. I reject those labels of this evil ideology, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes on and on and he says, I simply am a nationalist. That's also bad. He doesn't know how words work, right? No. You don't know what this word means. You're When you are a nationalist, you're saying, I am superior to other nations. And at their detriment, I will continue to raise my nation up. That's a bad worldview. Well, what the fuck would white nationalist mean why white nationalists would seem to imply that the white people in the nation right are in some way more uh 
like more entitled to the nation, that they are the true owners of the nation. There is literally no way that white nationalists could possibly be something other than racist. Right. It is literally impossible. Nationalist, I will grant you somebody could not understand nationalist, right? I would grant that that these guys might think that that means I like my nation. I got to say, though, let's... Right? Uh, but when you throw white in front... Right. Well, let's scroll back a little to the fucking you should be qualified. You should know what words are. Oh, no, no. Right? I, I'm you not know, you're a, an out. You're a fucking goddamn congressman, yeah, man. Right. Like, words are your thing. That's what you do for a living is words. Well, I'm... In, in no way is he not responsible yeah. for the stupid shit that he says. But, like... There's no get out of like, well, you know what I really meant? No, you said no, white you nationalist. Said white nationalist. And then you said white supremacist. Yeah. Why is that bad? Oh, I don't know. Well, let me think about it. if you're not white. How would you feel <laughs> there? Good? Well, you saw what, did you see the what, fuck? I don't know which, which paper it was. It was one that went under. And uh, that paper uh, was a conservative paper here in the States. And they had said that Steve King said some awful shit. So King is talking and he says, I raised a bunch this year and they didn't have enough bite. Now he's talking about jalapeno peppers. He says, I'm guessing I'm going to have to go get some dirt from Mexico to grow the next batch. An unidentified woman at the table says, trust me, it's on its way, right? So, you know, clearly that's, and he says, yeah, well, there's plenty of dirt. It's come from the West Coast too. A lot of other places besides, this is the most dirt we've ever seen. And this was taken by a, by a, 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 the standard, which is not a thing that's anymore. I guess they, they, they folded, but they stood by the story. They had written it down. They stood by the story. He called them out and then they, they released the audio of this. They released the audio to show that this happened. This guy's a scumbag. Like he's an absolute fucking scumbag. If you couldn't figure that out from the, how he talks about immigrants before, right? Right. He's the fucking calves of size is a cantaloupe guy, right? So he's a horrible, terrible person. But if you didn't know he was a racist before, you definitely know there's no fucking going back now, right? The dirt comment and the supremacist comment, Uh, Iowa, I know you guys couldn't fucking find your ass with both hands, but you gotta fucking vote this guy out next time. What the fuck? He almost lost this time. He should not have his seat next time. Iowa's north of the Mason-Dixon. There's no excuse. There really is no excuse. It's uh, This guy is a fucking disaster. I do believe that atheists are parasites in the sense they're benefiting from everything that religious culture is built in America, but they're doing nothing to add energy into the system. Oh, I I love this. She's a friendly atheist. Uh, Senator Kristen Sinema uh, took her oath of office on a law book, not the Bible. Um, I have seen this picture a number of times. This is also uh, the first openly bisexual um, woman woman that's that's, uh, being sworn in. And she did not swear on the Bible. She swore on a law book. And Mike Pence did the swearing in. Yeah. So Mike Pence had to swear in an openly bisexual woman. Anna, not the Bible. And you know that he was so uncomfortable. He had to do this for a woman. His mom wife wasn't even there. She would have had to have been in the the chamber, right? She has to be there whenever he looks or talks to another woman. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's true. I wonder if if he was like, can you hide in my skirt or whatever I wear? (laughs) Can you hide under my apron, mother? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so awesome. This Kristen Cinema, this was the woman that... um, 
that Andre came on and talked about. He was working for part of her campaign or at least trying to help her get yeah. elected. And he, this was the woman who he was saying once in a while would vote alongside with Trump. And there was the person who she was running against, who everybody thought had won, by mm-hmm. the way. That's, this was one of those late races that took like a week, like a week after to, sort out. to finally sort out. And she finally came up on, on, the, on the winning side. But I remember him saying like, the other person votes with, votes with Trump 100% of the time. She might do it 20% of the time. We want the 20%, not right. the 100%. Right. And so I remember this conversation about her specifically and how he was worried that she wasn't going to win um, because of that. And, uh, and not only winning, being openly bisexual, being, uh, and then she swore on a law book and, and there's a spokesperson for cinema and I read from the article, it says, told the Arizona Republic that the Senator specifically used a book from the Library of Congress containing the texts of the U.S. and Arizona Constitution. Nice. And how cool is that, that she swore on that instead of on a Bible? I hope that this is a thing that continues on, that this dam now is broken, right? Yeah. So now we don't have to pretend anymore. We don't have to say, oh, I'm, you know, look at me, I'm super holy and I got this Bible and, you know, I swore on this Bible because I know that's what everybody wanted. Instead, you could just be yourself and be like, right. you know what? I don't, I'm going to do the law book thing. I hope that this is the future. Well, like, isn't that what we should swear on? If, if we're going to go through this, like, motion of, yeah, right. of swearing some allegiance to something, yeah. like, isn't that what we're pledging our allegiance to? Yeah. Is that... It's just symbolically more interesting. Absolutely. And since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Go since ahead. you're... No, Mr. President-elect. Go ahead. Mr. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you. Not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking terrible. our news organization. organization. Can you give us a chance Let's to ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state... Quiet. Mr. President-elect, go ahead. can you state categorically... She's asking a question. Don't Mr. be rude. Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you give us a question? Can I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You st- can you state categorically? You are fake news. Sir, go ahead. Can you state categorically that nobody. No, Mr. President elect, that's not go appropriate. Ahead. This story comes from the AP. Uh, elderly and conservatives shared more Facebook fakery in 2016. Uh, people over 65 and ultra conservatives shared about seven times more fake information masquerading as news on social media than younger adults. Moderates and super liberals during the 2016 super liberal election season. Super, you get you get an SL shirt. Like I don't know if you got. Did you get yours? Did you get your super, super liberals. Liberal just an L shirt. Um, <laughs> just that's what you mean? That's a hat, yeah, and that's, that's a just different, like, and that's an the, L right on the forehead. Yeah, yeah. I I love this because this is the same group of fucking idiots that like forwards a chain email. Yeah. That's what you know I was what I mean? gonna say. <laughs> Do you remember back in the day when you used to like get a chain email, or there's actual like like actual letters, chain yeah, letters right. that chain would letters? be sent yeah. to people. Like this is the same group of people. Yeah. This is, this reminds me, um, not distressingly recently, like sometime in the last week or so, um, but a, a congressperson, some representative that's actually pretty local to me did that thing on Facebook where they shared that like, dear Facebook, I don't give you permission to use my information. It's a violation of privacy, et cetera, et cetera. And like posted that as their status. Have you seen that? Oh my gosh, Go around for real? Yeah. And it's like, I first of all, I haven't seen that in years. I haven't seen that in years and years and years and years. And second, it's like, you, you still don't know how any of this works. None of you know how any of this works. And it's like, yeah, just, you know, like you guys think that trickle down economics works. You think that like, 
the Chinese invented global warming. You don't know how, whatever it is, you don't know how it works. Like all you know how to do is like catch a mouse. Like you're just garbage. Do you remember like back in like early Facebook? I want to say it was maybe early Facebook or no, maybe it was email even where they would like, there would be an email that would say forward this email to so many friends and Apple's going to give you an iPod or something like that. Remember remember that? Those, like yeah. those who come in. And even back then, like our generation be like, this is fucking stupid. Like this is, that's not a real, yeah, there's no way that like, you can, like you can't trace. And also you can't trace how the email came. Okay, like that doesn't make any sense. And so like, it just didn't make, it didn't make any sense that you would get an iPod out of it. And so like, I know a lot of people who are like, that's fucking stupid. Then I knew a couple people who maybe might send it, right. but basically it would get corrected pretty quickly. Um, what, 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 made me think about this is the age of the people. And what made me wonder is, are we, uh, uh, is it that they grew up in a, in a time where they were subject to a lot of propaganda in the form of anti-communist propaganda in our country? Mm-hmm. And so that they're sort of pretty susceptible to that stuff. That when they see that stuff, they think it's true because it's something that they grew up sort of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I think, I think also like all jokes aside, I think that there was many, many years, decades where, uh, you trusted the news Yeah, and the news was trustworthy by and large. The news was largely trustworthy. It was, you know, you turned on the news, you had sources, they weren't. They might be spinning, but they weren't lying. They weren't making things up. They weren't reporting things that were just blatantly not true for the most part. You know, there was there was that thing like America's most trusted news, like the, the idea of trusting your newscaster, of having somebody who is the face to be the watchdog for America. And it's really only the last handful of years, maybe the last decade and a half, two decades, that we've really broken that. Yeah. Um, and it's broken. Oh, like, it's and fucking, it will never yeah, be it's broke. unbroken. Yeah, yeah. But I think that like for somebody our age, um, you know, I, I grew up in, and I remember one of the most influential books I read as a relatively young person was uh, how to Neil Postman's how to watch TV news. Did you read that? How no, I read news? amusing ourselves to death by also him. Very good. Yeah. I think that was good. Yeah. Um, so you wrote a book on how to watch TV news and it's a whole book on strategies about how to evaluate truth and editorial and like what to trust and how to trust and like what you're being sold. You needed a fucking handbook by the time I was a grown person on how to watch the news. Or, you know, people in their, in their 60s, they, that's not how they grew up. Yeah. That's not how they grew up they, at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you look back on movies like Network. Yeah. You know, you see a movie like Network and how prescient it was back in the day. Incredible. But that was also during the time when... There was the big three networks and those three networks were the the networks that were very, like you say, the most trusted news source for everybody. And you turn on the six o'clock news and the six o'clock news was a very trusted device. Well, it used to be too that the tools to gather and report news were too expensive for regular people to have. Exactly, yeah. Now you can produce Anything that you can, anybody at at home for virtually no money can produce something that looks nearly identical to what ABC News puts out. You you just, you can just do that now for almost, relatively speaking, for almost nothing. Yeah. So like, it's harder to tell the difference between something 
a story written and manufactured by just some guy. Yeah. And a story written by somebody like that works at the Atlantic. Look at, look at Rick Wiles' setup. Yeah. Rick Wiles' setup looks fucking looks great. Absolutely professional. 100% yeah. professional. He's talking about the craziest shit you've ever heard in your entire life. Yeah. Like yeah. babies getting sucked up by sewers. And he's a nutcase. Like he's yeah, a literal he's a nutcase. nutcase. Yeah. But you look at his set and you're like, holy shit, that Josh Bernstein, his set looks, looks good. good. He's got a green screen behind him. He's standing in front of a green screen. Now, it's not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, but it's it's much better than Liz Crokin's. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Liz Crokin, at least you could look at her and be like, Jesus, is she in her kitchen? Yeah. Like nobody mistakes that for a studio. Yeah. You know, that's a kitchen. But these other people, like you say, that's easy to mask that. Yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Uh, this is from ET Online. Christian Bale thanks Satan for the inspiration during Golden Globe win for playing Dick Cheney. Um, so this is a reference to uh, Christian Bale's uh, performance as Dick Cheney in the movie Vice, which I did see. Um, and he said, thank you to Satan for giving me inspiration on how to play this role. <laughs> I got to tell you. And then he, saw, then he said, then he said, what do you think Mitch McConnell next? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Bale could eat enough food or stuff <laughs> enough food into his jowls to give him a Mitch McConnell role. I love it. See, he also thanked director Adam McKay for choosing him to play somebody quote, absolutely charisma free and reviled by <laughs> everybody. <laughs> He cornered. He, he said he cornered the market on playing charisma-free asshole. <laughs> this is my favorite. You know what was so funny was the outrage, expected outrage after it all happened. And we right wing watch is down this week, but I almost guarantee that all those dipshits oh, out yeah. there, all those crazy people that we cover week to week, I'll bet you they all had their knickers in a twist by the fact that he openly thanked Satan and they think it's real. They're going to believe they're it. They're gonna not going to get the joke. They're not going to get that it's a joke. It's a fucking joke. Yeah, it's a good it's joke. It's a good joke too. It's a great you joke. You know he's sitting there practicing his speech that morning uh, going, I can't oh, wait. Gonna be good. I hope I win. I want to drop this on them. Well, he finally gets to do something funny unlike yeah. you know playing yeah. dick cheney yeah so you said you saw the movie you didn't I like did it see, no no i did i like the movie very much it's a good movie i yeah. think it's a really good movie uh christian bale is unfucking believably good in that movie. okay he's unbelievably good in that movie um what i what i thought was really effective is like you watch the movie and and everybody kind of knowingly laughs along at some of the terrible absurdities of the world that we used to live in um, in the early 2000s. And then what's so clever about the way the movie is structured is it gets you to sort of like do that like knowing laugh, like, ah, fucking that was just all so crazy. And then it will transition into something much more dire and much more serious. And you're laughing. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. It's not funny that this happened. Right, right. It's not fucking funny. And it does, the movie is so effective in getting you to like, I'm kind of laughing along. This is, yeah. this is politics as a game yeah. and it's funny and it's, and then, you know, the movie fucking with no hesitation just pulls that rug out from underneath you and hits you with something. And if you're, you're just like, you just, the, the, the whole floor drops out from underneath you 
and you're like, wait a minute, none of this is funny. None of this was ever funny. Yeah. Why are we laughing? None of this is a game. It's not funny because you can look back at your own life and be like, oh my God, we lived through that. Yeah. And yeah. like, we're still like, what's, yeah, and the what's really effective yeah. about the movie is it really highlights how much we will always be living through yeah. this. Yeah. It's so effective. I, I walked away from it, honestly, a little shaken, like, like, oh, that's way worse than I thought. <laughs> and I thought it was pretty bad. Like, I didn't think it was good. <laughs> So, Tom, we're back with a little vulgarity for charity here. We are indeed, my friend. I have been looking forward to this. You guys, if, if you donated money to Vulgarity for Charity and you haven't heard your roast, it's only because the response was so yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, so many We people. literally couldn't fit them all in. Yeah. It was like yeah. it was like a black guy at a sorority party. <laughs> like, it just wouldn't. You can't get it all in there at the same time. I was going to say the daycare, but that's it's a different. <laughs> all right, different, you know, and I was going to um, say Eli Bosick, but anyway, <laughs> um, Eli could fit. Who are you crapping? No, I mean it's, yeah. it's just awesome to have this problem. Yeah, and right? and you know, I think we we really do need to think about next year how we're going to handle these roasts. We might have to do special shows or something because. There was so many people this year and we want to make it bigger and better next year. So we're, we're going to have to think about how we're going to handle it next year. But we definitely want to let people know if you, if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to episode 448. Keith Ramadis Needs is on and it is an excellent, excellent interview. It's one of the best interviews we've ever had. Noah's on for it too, but man, what a great interview. What uh, a great guy. Awesome human being. And, uh, and this, that's where your money went. So if you, if you want to hear uh, where your money went and, uh, and the, the guy who's the steward of that money, uh, go listen to 448. Remember that you can still donate. You go to modestneeds.org. You can donate on a recurring basis. You can donate in, uh, just uh, to a family in need. Uh, you could scroll through a whole bunch of different people that are that are in need right now. So if you want to donate, uh, that option is still open for you. We're not take, accepting roasts until next year, but if you have extra cash and you want to donate, this would be a good, a good use of that. Fund. People still have needs. Yeah, for sure. We're going to get started on the right foot here. We messed up and we roasted the wrong person. Chris wanted us to roast his son and we weren't supposed to roast Chris, but we, well, you did. You I did. did. I totally did. And uh, he wants uh, like, you know, a regular Tom searing, like an absolute roasting of his son. I, I think I can get that done. So here's, here's the thing. We weren't supposed to roast Chris. And I guess I did. I roasted him instead of his son. And I'm sorry, Chris, I did. I meant to roast your son, but here's the thing, man. Every day, your son wakes up with some of your DNA. And that is very nearly roast enough. <laughs> Almost. <Yeah. laughs> because as deficient as that DNA that haphazardly holds your shitty son together is, that is just the nature part of this equation. Remember that at the end of the day, Chris's son, what you bring to the table is you. And so when you look into the mirror and staring back at you is the empty, cavernous pointlessness of your own life, that is on you because you are your own fault. Jesus. All right. Let's, 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 uh, somebody else wanted, I don't know why, but they wanted your they service. Want, why do you guys want They this? wanted this. They wanted this time. But I, this makes sense though, because Amy wants you to roast her ex-husband, Doug. So. All right. We'll give it, we'll give it a shot. Shit. Thing is, I don't know Doug. Right. And I don't know Amy, but I read Amy's roast request. And I can say this about Doug. Doug, 
No one cares that you were a vet in a bullshit four-month-long oil grab mini war. <laughs> that is, nobody would be impressed even if you went there and you did see combat as the inevitable victor of a grossly one-sided international power grab. You didn't bust the chains of Auschwitz, big guy. <laughs> All you did was sit on your ass in Turkey getting a tan and daydream about another guy in the shower. Oh. <laughs> There's a reason Doug took up a habit that involves so much spitting, and it's probably because he got used to having something warm <laughs> dribbling down his chin. Jesus Christ. Tell you what, Doug. If you ever figure out how to be a man and you're trying to figure out how many of the years of your life you haven't completely fucking wasted... Try counting on your teeth. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Well, we, have, we have a request here from Joseph to roast people who U-turn across four lanes of traffic without oh signaling. I'm going to take this one time. You see, in other parts of the country, you might call it you might call that person a fucking idiot or a, a brain dead fuckstick. But in Chicago, we just call you a regular driver. No shit. That's what we call you. <laughs> so, hey, asshole, I realize... You fucking think you're God that the goddamn world revolves around you and you're fucking late to your multi-level marketing appointment or whatever. But maybe you should go around the block instead of nearly killing a family of four. You self-centered fucking shitbag. I hope somebody steals your gas cap. That's all. <laughs> and stealing like, gas caps. I remember that. So mean and shitty. <laughs> it is so mean and shitty. I remember when people steal hood ornaments. Yeah, hood ornaments and gas. Fucker uh, assholes. And antennas. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like you you stole okay. a lot of different things. Let's stuff. move on. All right. We don't need so, to talk about this. This next bit's going to be about politicians. We're going to be doing it in the form of campaign slogan. So, so I'm going to go first here. Laurel wants us to hammer Steve King of Iowa. Okay. America deserves less muscular calves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, gang up on Mitch McConnell. I'll go first. This one is for Richard. Mitch McConnell, a chin in every pot. <laughs> Mitch McConnell, human bullfrog for majority leader. <laughs> All right, Cecil, go at him for Kelly. All right. Mitch McConnell, as hard on the issues as microwave butter. <laughs> All right, finally, Cecil, roast Susan Collins for James, please. All right, this one would fit on a button, I think. Tobin and Squee would vote for me. <laughs> All right, the next piece is going to be called a family affair. People who want us to roast members of their immediate and not so immediate family. So we're going to roast everyone on this list in the form of a passive aggressive post-it note left on the fridge. Tom, leave a very nice signature Tom note for Brett's dad. All right. Uh, note would say something like, uh, Dad, here are some extra stickers you might want. I was going to put them on the things that I want to take when you die, but I had all of them left over when I was done. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> all right. Next one's for me. It's Nick's brother, Alex. Alex, please stop leaving all your Michigan State or whatever jerseys all over the place. The ones with the raccoon mascot or whatever. <laughs> you know, the jerseys that are all smeared with hand lotion. We both know you went to a school and marry your sister, West Virginia. So maybe you could root for one of those schools instead. I also found this picture of a highly sexualized snarf from the Thundercats. <laughs> Was, it was under your jersey. It was also smeared with hand lotion. <laughs> <Snarf>. <laughs> okay, Cecil, how about Rebecca's partner, Matthew? All right, let's see. Dear Matt. I know you used all the coupons for adamandeve.com to make a small army of animated sex toys. And for that, I forgive you. But maybe you could spritz down your marching butt plug collection 
with a power washer? The fridge is starting to stink, man. All right, Cecil. James wants you to take it to his mom. I won't be the first one. All right. This is going to be in the form of a post-it note, too. Hey, mom, I found this. I hate N-words night shirt on in the couch cushions. I think it's yours. It had a skid mark on it. Uh, also, the blueprint for the wooden cross came in the mail from the Daily Stormer. I, 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 I'm I, not sure why you'd need a blueprint. I mean, it's just two sticks, but I left it on the counter with your teeth. So, uh, There's another person requiring my services. This one is for Tim. He wants a roast of his wife, Tanya. Oh. All right, so I had a picture to go off of here. Tanya has that sort of smile that makes a man believe in the lizard people. You know the kind I'm talking about, that reptilian, dead-eyed, ambivalent predator look. The, <laughs> you know, the kind of smile that says, if my tongue were just a little bit longer, I'd pluck out and eat your eyes like tapioca and bubble tea. <laughs> and for real, like, Tanya doesn't look mean so much as she looks bored mean. <laughs> like... She would hurt you for the same reason fat people eat the whole fucking pint of ice cream because they're bored and it's just there. Tanya doesn't look so much like she has no soul as it looks like she's trying to beat a Horcrux world record. <laughs> Harry Potter. I, under- I do understand that. <laughs> and here's another one. This is a different Alex. This time he wants uh, his brother Nate roasted. What the fuck happened to Nate? There's a picture of this guy and I am not kidding. His smile looks like he's trying to pose for a bad glamour shot while getting his colon checked. <laughs> oh, fuck, Nate. Buddy, it's not 1993. You've got to make a decision here. It's beard yes or beard no. All right? The goatee thing you've got going on can't even muster the energy at this point to be ironic. Now, I'm to understand from Alex that your wife is a lovely woman, and that is amazing. It's so nice that you find yourself a nice blind woman to settle down with. So here's to hoping they never cures what ails her. (laughs) All right. Another brother. This time it's Ashley's brother, Tim. Tim, 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 Tim. I have no idea what is happening in that picture of you shooting a shotgun. And like the water wearing an American flag bandana. But like, you look like the kind of guy that you are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, that guy, that guy who's just kind of everywhere, you know, the one whose only notable feature is that like every once in a while when their name appears on your phone, you remember, oh yeah, that guy's still around before <laughs> casually declining their call. Declining call. What I mean to say, Tim, is that your most notable feature is just how featureless you are. <laughs> You've got one of those faces that says, sometimes I cry a little after sex. <laughs> All right. Let's not leave out Jessica's husband, Tom. All right. This one is for Jack. Jack, I'm to understand that you're into BDSM. And Mm. if I were built like you, I would be submissive too. Oh, I mean, I don't know what Jessica looks like, but unless she also has a body by Pillsbury, (laughs) I can only hope that you remember the safe word so she doesn't hurt you too much. Who am I kidding? You have the kind of face that begs to be hurt. Also, big guy, a master's degree in anthropology. Not a bachelor's. That could be confused with the sort of youthful optimism of the congenitally stupid, but and not like a PhD, which at least demonstrates a strong commitment to your cup of noodles, but like a master's, the middle ground. What? Wonder what you're doing with that, Jack. It's not noted in our script, but uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, say GameStop assistant manager. <laughs> you think that high? <laughs> assistant to the manager. <laughs> All right, Tom. 
this is the only time anyone's ever requested this. Donald Trump's penis. Paul wants us to roast the little wiener here. I'll keep it small. Donald Trump has the only ballpark that doesn't plump ever. <laughs> Donald Trump has permanent whiskey dick. It's a cocktail wiener. Donald Trump's got the only dick in the world that's made out of assholes. <laughs> You know, Donald Trump has a team of undocumented migrants that have to manscape area 51 millimeters. <laughs> All right. You know, speaking of things that take a lot of credit, but can't get the job done. B-Rod wants us to roast a guy named Manuel. Okay. Manuel? Manuel? Manuel. Hey, Manuel. I'm going to say Manuel. <laughs> I think you're going to have to redefine the term manual labor because people will mistake it for you sitting in the back growing your copious amounts of chins. <laughs> you probably wouldn't steal valor outright, but you definitely would take it off someone else's plate when they weren't looking. So. <laughs> Tom, I'm going to need you to get really mean on this one. Yvonne wants a roast of people, the people who killed her granddaughter. Jesus Christ. That got serious very, very fast. <laughs> Uh, Lenny and Penny save this one to the end, I guess. Yeah. Lenny and Penny. First of all, really? Like these names, like what are you cartoon villains in a comic drawn by a kid repeating the third grade? (laughs) Lenny and Penny. Come on, man. No rhyming friend names. Seriously though, the story, the story is genuinely tragic and tragic as it is, as awful as you are Lenny and Penny. I want you to remember something. This is important. Because when, after your years locked in a cage, when you think that you finally have your life back, when you think that you are free, know this, know that you are not. You will never be free. You can never be forgiven. Every miserable day of your shitty, wasted lives, you are loathed and hated. And nothing you can ever do or feel or say can ever, in even the smallest way, make up for who you are. Every wretched moment, you will always have to be you. You can't leave this behind in prison. You can't say you're sorry or convert to religion or have any of that ever matter because you are soiled and you are ruined and there is nothing in you that can ever matter. Jesus Christ. All right, cool. That was lighthearted. Let's take a lighthearted break from that. Fucking dark. Jesus. I killed an eight-year-old kid. What did you, I mean, like... I don't know. I did expect you to take it easy on him, Tom. That's for sure. All right. It's time to get down to business. Next group of donors wanted us to roast people at their work. So let's give them all the performance review that they deserve. First up, Sam's husband's terrible bosses. All right. Uh, David, Vicky, it's not often I get to do two reviews at once, but we're all about efficiency here. So let's not waste any time. You know, some people confuse a little bit of power and responsibility with being important, you know, with mattering to other people. This, I am glad to say, is not something you have to worry about because you have worked really hard to foster the kind of environment everyone longs to leave. The kind of workplace so utterly devoid of soul and heart and so Dickensianly crushing (laughs) that years from now, textbooks will be written citing your workplace as the precise business plan to avoid. (laughs) I would spend some time here on your five-year plan, but everyone who can will abandon you much longer before that. And at the end, when your employees each by each branch out and find other means of supporting themselves, when you have lost everything, when you have shuttered your dreams and pulled tight the last court curtain across your failure, know this, that we all saw it coming. We knew and we didn't warn you because we wanted to watch you burn. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. All right, I'm going to do Jeffrey's coworker here. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeff has been given several verbal warnings about his apparel. We told him midriff button-up <laughs> shirts are not work appropriate, but he claims he cannot find one that will both fit his tiny shoulders and his beer belly. We also reprimanded him for making out with a Ted Cruz campaign poster with a hole cut in it. We were both happy and regretful to find out he was only kissing it at the time. <laughs> All right. Tom, give us a signature roast of Serena's mom's boss. All right. I've been uh, reviewing your performance here for some time. And I have to say that I am impressed. It is not every day that someone displays such a unique combination of small mindedness with a total lack of interest in their own competence. <laughs> I was going to offer you a cost of living increase, but I wasn't sure what to offer someone who has so clearly suffered the world's first case of walking brain death. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, Rachel's here. Rachel wants someone to talk about her coworker, Justin. In between naps on 1017, <laughs> Justin asked for a raise. <laughs> I employ that guy. <laughs> when the manager declined, Justin went back to sleep at his station. <laughs> Three minutes later, while fast asleep, Someone asked Justin for a roll of dimes. This startled him. He snapped awake, screamed, will you shut the fuck up already? And promptly passed out. We've asked him to clean out his desk. <laughs> All right, Kristen would love the world to know why she let her old employee Elizabeth go. Okay, that's, uh, that's no problem. Because I've actually reviewed Elizabeth's case file and everything on this firing seems on the up and up. Because here's the thing, Elizabeth. When you scream and you cry and you throw shit, that means you are not to be taken seriously. Because the moment, the very moment that this happens, everything you do, every single thing you say is now noise. Adults behave like adults. <laughs> and if you want anyone to treat you like you matter, like you should be taken seriously, like you are more than a jumble of unchecked childish emotions trapped in a body too large for your ability to manage it, you have to behave the way you see all the grown-ups around you behaving. The moment you left, the very moment, everyone began the all-too-easy task of forgetting you. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Suzanne's co-worker, Cecily, is up for review. Here we go. Cecily was told twice that Ugg boots and sweatpants <laughs> that say pink across the rear end are not appropriate work attire. After chest bumping her manager and then immediately breaking down in tears, we bought her a pumpkin spice latte and that seemed to cheer her up. All right, Tom, uh, I presume, I, I, I'm, this is a presumption. I don't know yeah, if it's true. Yeah. I presume you remember some of our trip to Glasgow? Ooh, that is a presumption. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, there's a photo that we took there with Paul. And he wants us to roast Graham. You remember Graham who showed us around Graham the city? He's a really nice guy. He was photobombing at the perfect moment. So he wants us to roast oh, Graham. Go ahead. Sorry. All right, Graham, the only way anyone would take a picture of you is the same way that anyone would fuck you by accident. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Graham, I'm apologizing this for ahead of time. Hey, Graham, find a fucking friend for Christ's sakes. Preferably a friend that is also a translator for the rest of the English-speaking world. <laughs> in this photo, you're peering in like a prairie dog. If prairie dogs own body pillows of Japanime characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is a requesting a roast by Cecil's best friend. Hmm. And so that has to be you, right? Uh, I mean, I'm who assuming. else could it be? I don't know. I don't know who else it could be. Anyway, Bridget wants us to roast their roommate uh, who spent their dog's medication money on vulgarity for charity? What the fuck? That's a good call. That's a good call. Dogs aren't worth it. You can get a homeless guy to lick the peanut butter off your genitals and they don't even ask to spend the night. <laughs> I guess that's true. Fuck your dog. 
I mean, are you, no, you, no, you can't no. now because you spent all the money somewhere else. All right. So the last roast of the evening, Tom, this goes to Amy who wants you uh, to roast her ex. All right, Amy, I'm writing this to you, actually, not about you, but like, this is really to you. And I guess all of these are, right? That's the thing you guys all want. Like, we got the catharsis of the takedown to listen with ecstatic glee as some cruel wordplay eviscerates someone who hurts you so that you can voyeuristically swing the hatchet. I get it. That's great. I think it's a healthy and it's natural. But here's what I really think about people that hurt you. And I mean this. I mean this truly and genuinely. And I mean this without hyperbole. Hurting them, watching them suffer, raging at their misdeeds and wishing for them ill fortune. That's all fine and good. But if someone hurts you, really hurts you, the very best thing, the sweetest thing, the only thing to do is to swiftly, immediately, and irrevocably eradicate them from your mind. Offer them not a passing thought, not a single emotional or chronological moment. With no remorse, with no equivocation, without conversation, or a moment of reprieve, without explanation, or a single raised word, let them immediately die for you forever. Vanish them from your life. Discard as meaningless any moments of your life they touched, not because those moments are soiled, but because those moments are dead to you, flat and emotionless. Walk away and never look back. Let them die a death in you that is final and total and complete and without mercy. And let them know that the moments you shared are nothing by eradicating those moments from any soft space within you and forgetting them. Sunshine. <laughs> Sunshine. All right. So <laughs> we're not done yet. <laughs> we're done, thankfully, with that. <laughs> But we're not done yet. There's still a couple hundred roasts to go. So much left. But uh, <laughs> we won't stop until we finish. So listen to the Scathing Atheist podcast to catch the other roast segments. And we should have one more on this show, I'm thinking, in the near future. We're not sure exactly when. Remember, you can still donate. Even if you didn't get a roast, uh, you can help a family in need. Just go to modestneeds.org. So we want to thank our patrons. Of course, we want to thank all our patrons. We want to thank our most recent patrons, Carl, Jay, Patrick, Jack, by singular, first atheist president, John, Brandon, Molly, the Chris, and Nate. Thanks so much for your generous donations. We really do appreciate it. We got a message from Jeffrey's asking, is the link to the doormat broken? It looks like it is, Jeff. <laughs> sorry, um, man. Sorry, we did have a welcome, Matt. I got to take that off the website this week, but uh, we... Don't maybe have to go find somebody to make new mats for us. Anyone know how to make a welcome mat? <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to go find another welcome mat dealer to make welcome mats, but they are not available currently. So we apologize, Jeff. And if anybody else out there was looking to get a welcome mat, there are no welcome mats. <laughs> we got a gif. Ugh. This is fucking hilarious. This is from Aaron. It's a Burton Ernie gif. And I saw it and I fucking loved it. So we're going to put it on this week's show notes. This is episode 452. We got a message from Adam and he says, my girlfriend tells me my balls are beautiful all the time. Is she lying to me? Yes. Yeah. Yes, she's lying to you, Adam. She's fucking absolute. No, no woman would ever say that. She's only saying that because maybe she likes you. I don't know. She's just being nice. She's just it's, humoring you. Yeah. This yeah. is like, like there's nothing. No, your balls no, are like yeah. everybody else's yeah. balls. All, They're fucking disgusting. They all look like chicken skin walnuts. <laughs> it's, it's, imagine this, Adam. Imagine if your pancreas fell out <laughs> and was dangling 
from your person. Nobody compliments your prolapse anus. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody's like, that is a great prolapse anus you have. Every part of the male anatomy is designed for a woman to close her eyes during sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is a utilitarian mouse. Absolutely. It can do this. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> we got a message from Kernan. And Kernan wants to tell us, because we mentioned before that, you know, it was on last week's show where we said, if you're a little older than a certain age, you should hire a 14 year old to help you out. And he says, grandpa always isn't illiterate. I'm a 59 year old creative director and I have to monitor what most of my brand, what branding my clients do. I had to talk to some younger clients about using the acronym FAP. In their annual report. That's amazing. <laughs> he said, I finally just told the CEO to Google it. <laughs> Hilarity ensued. Another had to be talked down from believing that manifest destiny meant creating your own reality and slapping an ad on it. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Oh, God, your job oh, sounds terrible. I, that's the worst. We got a, a, uh, a graph, Tom, from Caleb. This graph is terrific. It compares the number of women on the Republican side to the Democratic side. And as a countermeasure, it also compares the number of people named Mike. And on the Republican side, there are more people named Mike than there are women. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's incorrect. I Uh, think they're equal. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Thanks, uh, Caleb. Still working on equality, man. Oh, that's funny. Tom, we got a message, and this one, uh, this one's from Terrence. And Terrence has a question. Um, he says, he says, do you think that the nature of atheist conversation on social media is determined more by social media bringing out the worst in people, or is it inherent in atheism? Well, I guess I, you know, I. I don't know. Is atheist conversation particularly more vitriolic? Is that the suggestion? I think that that it's more poisonous than other social media conversation. I don't know. I think so. I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I believe that that's the case. I would say that any time that you have conversation um, which revolves around political issues, identity issues. Um, issues of, of, of religion, um, issues about that are fundamental to how people see and view the world. Those are issues which are going to be deeply emotionally fraught. Those issues may come up more frequently in atheist groups. I don't think that if there is more vitriol, it's because atheism as a sort of concept brings that up more. I think there would be plenty of places you could go on the internet and on social media to find similar types of conversations and run into the same level of, of vitriol. I don't, I don't think there's anything more vitriolic about atheist social media than say, if you were to go to a conservative, right. Right. You know, yeah. Social media pages. Sure. You know, the question comes up because, uh, because Terrence wants to separate himself from sort of the vitriolic stuff that's happening. And one of the things he says, he's sort of going to maybe pull himself away from a couple fan pages and whatnot. And I say more power to you. You shouldn't ever do anything or interact in any way that makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you want to not do it. Right. Right. I mean, like 
like I've stopped checking Twitter a lot. I check it maybe once a week now. Um, if there's something important and you tweet it at us, uh, it, Ian will tell us about it because Ian checks it all the time. But I do not. Like, I do not check Twitter very often. I don't bother to tweet things out very often. Um, Twitter's just not my thing. And actually, to be honest, there was, I, I kind of hate the at stuff when people at us and sometimes say shitty stuff to us. So I stopped. I really kind of steer away from it now. Yeah. I don't do it um, because I find that uh, either I'm misreading how they're writing it or whatever, because if I respond harshly as I think they responded to me, they always attack back. Well, oh, why are you getting so upset or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I can't right. tell tone on Twitter because there's just not enough space to cushion anything. Everything's got to be blah. And so I just I can't I can't figure out tone on Twitter. So I just don't play there. Um, I also don't, to be honest, I don't play a lot with, uh, political and other things on Facebook. Cause it's just not fun for me. The fun that I have with politics is talking to my friend about it. Yeah. That's the fun I have. I don't have fun talking about it on Facebook. It's not for me. That's not interesting. So don't, I would say that if you do like, you know, like, like you say, like a couple fan pages and you want to, you, you like the fan pages, but the, the, the conversation there is pushing you away. Then don't worry about it. Like yeah. that's okay. It's okay to not be involved in those spaces. Yeah. Find the ways that, that social media makes you feel good. Right. And whatever that is and however yeah. you need to use it, 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 that's all it's for. Yeah. It's a game. It should be something fun in your life. And if it's not fun in your life, you don't have to use it. Yeah. There, I will say like, I, I don't use it at all anymore. And there is, for me, there's no downside. It's okay to not use it just sure. like there's, so it's okay to use sure. it. Sure. Yeah. So if it, if it, if you can find a way that it is a fun, enjoyable part of your life, make it a fun, enjoyable part of your life. If it's not something you like, you're not missing. Like, I don't think that you're going to feel uh, bereft for its absence. If, because if w what's being described is a, is a very negative experience by the, by our emailer, yeah. by our fans. So I think you'll be okay. I yeah. think you really will. Yeah. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, we are going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. 
cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.